Today I am talking to Dalton Frank, who is my friend and fellow coach based all the way over in Brisbane, Australia. And today we wanted to talk about motivation and behavior change. Now, Dalton and I are very much aligned in our coaching practices. You know, he's very familiar with motivational interviewing, acceptance and commitment therapy or acceptance and commitment training. And we can see kind of some common misunderstandings when it comes to motivation in particular. So that's what we really wanted to discuss today, along with how we can help people to find their um, own reasons for making a change and even deciding whether or not to make a change, and if so, which change to make. So I thought I would start off by asking you, um, what is it that we get wrong about motivation? Cool. Thanks for the intro, Shannon. Love being on here. And yes, we are very, very aligned. So um, it's a cool question that you asked there. What do we get wrong with motivation? I think we get a lot of things wrong. And uh, it's kind of something that I self-discovered a few years ago at working as a coach. And then I kind of had this little path working along the way to figure out what was going wrong. I had a lot of clients that were getting really good results and then some clients that weren't getting so good results. Uh, and I was trying to really understand why that was happening and what was going on. The bigger difference that I had between the two different client results was that some clients just seemed to have uh, a high drive to get things done and they were really successful and some clients just had a, a low drive and so being the logical person that I was at the time I was like educate them educate them educate them and just keep spitting all this knowledge at them to like just I, like give them the information for them to be become uh, their own um, their own champion to act on all this education that I'd given them thinking that uh, that was the answer and it was funny it was after leaving my last company that I kind of did a whole bunch of reviewing on some behavioral change aspects and um, went really deep into literature and I focused on it really heavily for the last year in university as well. I started looking at how motivation works around behavior change and what most people get wrong with behavior change and motivation is when they start working with a coach or when they do anything, likely what happens is they rely on this uh, type of motivation called external regulation. So it's this concept that you are doing something and therefore you're reliant on the behavior that you're doing to do that behavior. So that a great example of this and super easy way to understand it is I'm paying for a coach. Therefore, because I'm paying a coach, my motivation is in the fact that I'm paying a coach to keep me accountable. But we all know that that type of behavior is only sustainable while you're paying for a coach. So as soon as you stop, like if that's the only motivation that people have got, then as soon as you stop paying for that, you've got nothing there to, to work with. And when we look at like these different levels of uh, motivation, it's actually probably the weakest one out of the like these uh, non-self-determined or self-determined motivations that we can have. It's really not strong. Uh, and because it's so whimsical and reliant on someone else, the second that that's gone, we find it's really weak. And when we look at the literature, we also see it's really unsustainable for long-term maintenance. And long-term maintenance is our issue. We don't really have seem to have weight loss issues because people can lose weight, but it's this like inability for us to keep it off. So the, the fact that the external regulation is the, the only motivation that people really use and they're strongly reliant upon uh, is also the weakest one. It just sets them up for this like uh, plan, uh, a disaster uh, that they essentially can't maintain the results and stuff that they've been trying to get to. It also doesn't foster learning really well. It doesn't provide any um, intrinsic motivation and it's uh, essentially one of the hardest forms to keep yourself motivated from. Uh, and sure, yes, it works in that you get a little bit of accountability, but that's actually the next step up above external regulation. 
uh, that's this uh, interjected regulation, which is the uh, a guilt or an, uh, a want to appease someone who has uh, some a little bit of authority over you. And so just under, uh, just above paying someone is having someone keep you accountable that you're just outsourcing that to. So again, it's a little bit stronger. It helps, but it's nowhere near as strong as getting to this, the, the perfect point of uh, motivation, which is the want and desire to do it because it's who you are. And that end point is where we want to help our clients get to. We want them to help them help uh, identify uh, aspects or components that they can adopt, mold and shape themselves in and around that align with their values and align with their goals uh, concurrently. Yeah, did I answer it well? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Like you touched on some really important things. So firstly, the fact that there are different kinds of motivation and the type of motivation that someone has, one can change over time, but it's also Mm -hmm. um, a predictor or at least an influence over the kind of results that they may get. So if someone is coming to you, and this is something I hear all the time, oh, why did you sign up? Why did you, you know, Mm -hmm. choose to work as a coach? Oh, because I need someone to hold me accountable. never Mm -hmm. like I always look at that and I'm like okay what does this person mean by that because surely Mm -hmm. if it's Mm -hmm. something that you want to do yourself you should be accountable to yourself Mm -hmm. but at the same time I can Mm -hmm. completely understand where they're coming from with that I think what someone may be trying to say Mm -hmm. is oh I need some guidance and I really struggle to make this change so I want someone to help me now we've kind of Mm -hmm. um, condensed that into you know accountability I need someone to tell me what to do and help me stick to the plan and that is you know a coach's role is to guide someone and help them make the change that they want to make but I think the way that we kind of think about that is often misguided in that as you say Mm -hmm. it's not a case of just providing someone Mm -hmm. with information like sure education you know it's helpful it can have a time and a place but one the way you deliver this education really matters and two oftentimes people are aware of some of the benefits to wanting to make a change you know someone may know that um, if they exercise more that would improve their health for example it doesn't necessarily make someone wants to exercise as much as we think we should right because there's so many other factors that go into it and someone who is starting off with making a change may as you say have some um, externally motivated reasons for doing so so they may want um, they think that this you know achieving fat loss may bring them some rewards in terms of like some social standing benefits a sense Mm -hmm. of status um, or that they're going to kind of they um if they don't do this then they're trying to avoid something so if they don't make the change and mm-hmm. they're going to be viewed as a failure like these are mm-hmm. common reasons for people wanting to make a change but as you've highlighted they're not necessarily sustainable for long periods of time and they've actually this kind of motivation um this controlled motivation has been associated with an increased risk of developing pathological eating behaviors as well because it's not necessarily something that's coming from a, a healthy place mm-hmm. and i think we often or it's not obvious Mm -hmm. sometimes to actually question why someone wants to make a change it's like cool this person signed up i got a new client let's get them results it's like but have you actually considered to stop why this change Mm -hmm. is important for Mm -hmm. someone because that's going to be a very important predictor of the type of results that someone can get um so let's say that we've got someone who again because there's different kinds of motivation and these can change over time and I actually think it's completely normal for someone to begin on the more Mm -hmm. um controlled side of things these externally regulated um sources of motivation and I don't think that's 
inherently problematic. Mm -hmm. I think it's our role to meet people where they are at and help them to discover more intrinsic forms of yep. motivation. So uh, a reason for change that comes from within. So how can we do that? If someone is currently externally motivated to get results, how can we help them to shift to more intrinsic and sustainable and healthier sources of motivation? Can you re-ask that? You dropped out on my end uh, at the start of that question. So if you just oh, no worries. Start, yeah, just question, yeah. if we've got someone who is externally motivated for um, extrinsic rewards, how can we help mm -hmm. them to shift over time to more intrinsic forms of motivation that may be more sustainable and long-lasting? Yeah, wow. That's like, that's the million-dollar question, right? That's uh, something that we've tried, to, like, if you read the research the last hundreds of years and the different forms of uh, behavior change that have been uh, theorized and modeled is, has been trying to answer. And so far we seem to have uh, some really good best understandings right now. But I wanna to touch back on something that you were just saying really quickly just before is that's like, it's so awesome that you mentioned that the roles, the different motivations, uh, whether they be intrinsic or extrinsic, uh, internal regulation uh, and where they may fall, it is exactly fluid. It's not something that we don't just pigeonhole someone and like they stay there. And we can move in between them all. And in different situations, we also move between them all. And they're really beneficial, like outsourcing your uh, motivation. For, like if you're competing for an Olympic medal is a great way to focus on and intrinsically motivate yourself for what needs to be happening in the sport. So you could have those different domains show up, have different motivations at different times and occupy multiple hats. So it's this, uh, I want people to be clear on this concept is that not that you might box a client as in they're in one category at any one particular time. They may be wearing multiple hats and it might not be evident until you have this big conversation addressing it. But how do you get people to kind of change? That's, it's a really cool one. So what I've found successful and what I'm seeing show up a lot in the literature is uh, helping people move through and move through uh, like the, our trans theoretical model of change. So move through different stages, whether it be uh, whatever they're showing uh, signs of interest uh, and then through doing that you refocus uh, use some either counseling techniques some uh, reflective techniques um, some education or some results all any of from those four domains can be utilized at any one time to start showing the person what they're trying to achieve and where their motivation is at and then you can invoke some questions determine where they're coming from when it comes to their own values, determine where they're coming from when it comes to their own beliefs and making sure that those align. And then from setting goals to move forward that elevate their status, they can stop relying on things that are externally and start relying on things that are internally. And I bring up values and goals because those are concepts that not everyone's always familiar with it, especially in the Western culture. We have this uh, weird idea of who we are as people, but not what we value. And so when you ask people what their values are, they kind of can't tell you. They tell you maybe that they like fitness, but they don't tell you that they're actually compassionate or that they um, maybe like to be organized, but they don't tell you that they're actually courageous. And how I describe it to people is, is if someone described who you are and it made you kind of feel warm and fuzzy inside, that's kind of the best way to identify if it's a value. If it's something that you kind of tick off or you feel like you do, uh, it's not a value, but a value is who you kind of are. And we want to uh, establish what those are. We want to explore them because then when we can identify those, we can make sure that the goals that we're setting are congruent with that. 
because then that allows us to move forward and align ourselves to move from external to intrinsic motivations because the intrinsic motivations are stuff that we either have to have passion for ourselves or be identified with. And when uh, you don't identify with them and they don't align with your values, it's very hard for that to ever become anything other than an externally motivated sense. So what we're trying to achieve is this alignment with values, alignment with goals to then slowly develop you over time into someone that has and builds some uh, intrinsic motivation and also extrinsic motivation, but the, the uh, internalized uh, self-identification and self-regulation those uh, start to coincide and then it kind of becomes a hell of a lot easier to maintain the behaviors that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. In that, you'll also go through these different stages alongside of the, for people that might be familiar, the trans theoretical model is kind of uh, pre-contemplation to contemplation into uh, action, then into maintenance and then into relapse. And kind of for a lot of people, they think it's this like um, a, a directional pathway, but it's kind of circular. We fuck up. We do things, we end up back at the stage, we do like contemplate, or we might be on different behaviors. You might be contemplating weight loss, but uh, when we talk about muscle gain, you might be at a completely different stage. And so it's not linear, it's this circular action. Um, and a lot of people think that the relapse component means like failure, but it's actually like the most important part of it. Because if you don't relapse, you never stuff up. So you don't learn how to better the behaviors or the attitudes or the situations, whatever it is that you kind of stuffed up don't learn how to do that better and overcome those things. So it's a really important step. And so what we need to do is uh, we keep moving through those different stages of the trans theoretical model at the same time as uh, identifying our values, coinciding them with our different internal and external, internal and uh, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, sorry, uh, and making sure that, that we keep realigning ourselves with that so that eventually we get to the stage of identification where we align with what we're trying to achieve. We are fat loss essentially maybe not fat loss <laughs> something a little bit more uh, health as opposed to fat focus but yeah yeah you've covered a lot there um, that makes I sense touch on, yeah <laughs> I'm going to touch on what you just mentioned um quickly about relapses and I think that's so important mm -hmm. because it's becoming increasingly obvious that the ability to be flexible and adaptable is important for psychological well-being and potentially the results that you're going to get as well. So when someone slips up, that is not a failure because it's an opportunity for you to learn it's an opportunity to increase your self-awareness so okay maybe mm -hmm. I overate one evening and I didn't really intend to and I don't feel too great about it either so let me look at this situation you know what happened leading up to this situation what did I do what were the thoughts going on in my head how did I feel where was I how did I feel after mm -hmm. thinking about that it's like oh, okay I can see that actually I was in a pretty bad mood it was the end of the week I'm very tired um, I had an argument with a friend, you know, whatever it is, there'll be a reason for this behavior. Because uh, again, it, you've got this long term goal, but in the moment, there's a very reasonable um, reason for someone wanting to do something that doesn't lead them towards their long term goal. And then if you can look at that situation with, um, you know, an attitude of just being curious, okay, what actually happened? Let me investigate what was going on I'm not going to judge myself I just want to know what's going on in my head that gives you the opportunity to really increase your self-awareness around your own behaviors and then that can help you to 
find um, tar like triggers or targets, things that you can work on for next time. So it's like, okay, what can I learn from this opportunity? I don't need to feel bad about it. I just want to know what's been going on. And then I can make a plan for what I would like to do if this situation arises again, or maybe how I can help prevent this from occurring, whatever it is. So the the skill of being able to do that i think obviously it helps that if you can take a more compassionate attitude towards yourself but then just realizing that these relapses are normal like you know it's i think people sometimes can have this idea of like when they come to make a change that everything's gonna go super smoothly you know i've hired a coach i i have to be perfect otherwise the plan won't work and it's like no 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 like you're not because you're a terrible person, but just because you're a human being, there will be a time where something doesn't go to plan. And that's okay, because that's what we're here working on together. So I think that was one really important point that you made. And then you've also touched on the difference between goals and values. So goals being these kind of, you know, external things that we set for ourselves, like checkpoints that we can tick off, targets that we've set. So, you know, I've got a goal to lose five kilos. A value is completely different in that it's a way that we want to be behave on an ongoing basis so sure you want to achieve this goal of fat loss fine we can totally work towards that but I also want to know what kind of person do you want to be like who are you what's important to you as a person and what qualities can you bring to your uh, actions in your day-to-day -day life because that's going to help you strengthen your commitment to making this change so if someone says you know I've got this fat loss goal I want to lose five kilos it's really important because I'd like to feel more confident okay that's you know completely reasonable goal I'll probably ask why a few times like why do you want to feel confident what would be different about your life if you were more confident why is this change important to you um, and then get kind of deeper into that but then thinking about okay so you've got this goal we can totally work on achieving that but also what kind of person do you want to be what skills can you bring to, to towards making this change and I think this is really helpful like this exercise is something that everyone can do themselves I think if you're a coach who's going to take a client through this it's probably quite important that you've done it yourself as well so thinking about what kind of values are important to you so for myself I would say that I probably value strength um, which could be you know training in the gym but it could also be a case of like showing up for my friends when they need someone to talk to like that's also a sign of strength um, I I value challenge uh, I value adventure and sometimes these values may conflict with one another so I could value you know self-care exercise whatever um, or self I could value self-care and health and an action that I engage in to reflect that value is exercise but if I also value adventure I may be traveling and end up on an island that doesn't have a gym for example now I'm not going to be too pissed off that I can't train in the way that I would like I could probably go on a run or whatever but I'm not going to train in the way that I would like that's fine because I'm actually still living according to my values because I know that adventure and fun is something that's important to me so that can kind of help me to rationalize or at least kind of think about all the different behaviors that I can engage in and help me to know that I'm actually still living according to the person that I want to be even if for example I'm unable to do this one thing so that's something that I think is really important is that it opens up other opportunities for actions to to engage in because sometimes someone can be like oh I didn't make it to the gym today you know I feel like I've gone off plan I've ruined everything and then I went overboard on my diet as 
as well because I thought I'd already gone wrong well there's actually you know you can be living according to your values in many different ways so I think thinking about this can help people to realize that oh, okay I didn't make it to the gym today but that's okay because I can still get to bed early I can still sleep well I can still choose a nutrient dense meal to make tonight you know whatever it is there's multiple opportunities for you to live according to your values so um Dalton what are your values I thought you might ask. This. Um, you knew it was coming. I really, I, yeah, yeah, I was preparing myself for it. <laughs> uh, I really like courage. I like. I really align very strongly with courage. I really mm-hmm. align very strongly with honesty, um, which mm-hmm. is so funny that you mentioned. Um, like, I that when I got married, I don't know if you mentioned it at the start or if it dropped out, but we were just talking about that before and that was something that came up in everyone's speeches talking about who I was to them was that a lot of people had noticed that that I really uh, seem to like value honesty um, and it's something that I really lived through like I, when I see it in uh, when I see hypocrisy in business it annoys me when I see hypocrisy in uni- like education it annoys me when I see it in myself it annoys me and so it's something that when you when you figure out what those values are you can really like you see it's like it becomes so clear because any of your behaviors that you like really do like uh have that insight into what you do or what you like to do or um who you are you kind of see where the they start to creep up and show it show you uh show through so be courage honesty and i really like self-compassion like for me that's like something that really warms me to like just be really nice to myself because i used to beat myself up for so many things um, and it, it took me a lot to really learn to be compassionate to myself. And now that I've learned how to, I find that it's probably something that I maybe even align more strongly than uh, honesty. So that's been a really nice discovery having that. And those would probably be my top three. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, it's really important to have a clear sense of this because, as you've kind of alluded to, when you're faced with like difficult situations, we're you know, you know we're given an opportunity to move closer or towards the type of person we want to be so if you value honesty and someone asks you a difficult question that you think oh okay if I gave an honest answer that might you know really hurt them but you've already identified that this value of honesty is something that's really important to you so it's like I'm gonna you know if someone's asked for it I'm gonna tell the truth no matter what happens because I know that that's something that's really important to me as a person and had I not told the truth I'd be moving further away from the type of person that I want to be and I know know that that's something that doesn't sit comfortably with me so I think it it's really important to have this sense of how you'd like to live because we're going to be faced with moments that challenge us and kind of test us and you know that you can kind of think about that according in terms of like your fitness goals as well like sometimes it's going to be difficult to do the thing that you know would be good for you long term and so having a clear sense of who you want to be you can kind of identify those moments and then also identify the skills and strengths you can bring to those moments to to overcome that and I really like that um, example you gave of self-compassion as well and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be compassionate towards yourself and others you know it's not making excuses it's not going easy on yourself it's actually just treating yourself with kindness and recognizing that to fault you know is human and that's okay Mm -hmm. we can now I think something that people don't realize about being compassionate is actually opens up the door to making more positive changes because you're not beating yourself up or um, criticizing yourself for what you've done wrong. It's like, okay, let me just look at the situation. 
I that didn't go to plan. That's not what I wanted. What can I do about it now? That's a more compassionate approach. I'm not going to waste time telling myself I'm a terrible person. I'm actually just going to look at what happened and think about how I could move on from this. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I really like that example. How have you um, implemented like values with the work that you do with your clients? I was just about to say, I'll give you, a, anyone that's listening, a kind of practical application for how you kind of would do this with clients is, so if someone mentions, you mentioned five kilo weight loss goal before, and that's a, a beautiful example. It's something that I use all the time. When someone says that, uh, and you mentioned asking why a couple of times, if someone says, I just want to uh, lose five kilos, or for me, I explore that exact statement of what they want to be learning because on the surface, what they want to do is a very superficial goal. It doesn't have any strength meaning. It doesn't, they don't identify anything with it. And when we see incongruent behaviors with our values, we don't see any sustainment in the actions that we're trying to be taking. So unless we ask why, and I, for me, I do this five times, for every response that they have to what I'm asking, I'll ask why five times. So it would be, I want to lose five kilos of weight. Why is that important to you? Maybe not just why itself, but why is that, why is losing five kilos important to you? So for me, I'd like to be a little bit lighter so that I could fit in uh, some smaller clothes and take my shirt off and feel comfortable at the beach. And it's like, why is that important to you? Well, uh, if I can take my shirt off at the beach, I feel like I'd be able to enjoy myself a little bit better at the beach. I'd feel comfortable in my own skin. And I'd probably do a little bit more things that I'd want to do in environments where I'd normally be a little bit uncomfortable or uh, unable to do that. I hang out with my friends and stuff in the same situation. Okay, so why is that important to you? Well, I really value my friendship. I really value who I am. And I really love spending the time together. So if I was holding back on those situations, I don't actually get to feel uh, like I'm living the best life that I could be living. So for me, I, the fact that I get held back by an insecurity that I have uh, means that I feel like I'm missing out on my career, right? So why is that important to you? Well, for me, I don't like the fact that I like we've got a limited amount of time left on this planet and that for anyone, it could be up in a certain amount of moments. So that's a scary reality to me. And so I want to be making sure I'm making the most of it. And when I don't do that, I feel that I'm not living my best life. I'm not living with true to who I am. And so uh, that is a deeper reason to why to want to lose five kilos. That's a fucking exciting reason to want to lose five kilos because that tells you everything about why someone needs to lose five kilos. And that's how you explore it with someone. When they just give you a superficial goal, uh, take, take the time, be patient, and they'll be really resistant to talking about it. It won't be as congruent as my example just then. And they'll probably stumble and fumble through the examples. It might make some people cry. It might make some people hate you. But what you're doing is getting them to kind of walk themselves through the reasons why it's important. Because in doing that, I identified a lot of the things that are important to me, um, like being honest and uh, having uh, courage and also um, like having self-compassion, knowing that if like uh, for anyone who could be up very quickly, knowing that if I'm living my best life, that like uh, aligns exactly with where my values are. To me, that kind of just says like, ah, this is like what I need to be doing. Like this gives me that fire. And instead of it being something that I need to watch a YouTube video to like jack myself up on, just describing those situations and scenarios, even if there's a tinsy as being a bit of truth into some of them, uh, and I like uh, exaggerated them a little bit, but like the smallest bit of truth still made me go like, fuck, maybe I need to lose a little bit of weight here. Like, like just just in that the fact that I identified with it and aligned with it so well. Um, so that's how I do it, and that's what I do with clients. 
I also do some um, contrasting as well, some mental contrasting so that I get them to walk through what failure looks like and we get them to walk through what success looks like. Um, and then I do some uh, contracts as well where I get them to like bet some money down on their own success because we're really good at imagining our future tasks and setting ourselves uh, things to do yeah, right now. But in the present moment, we're not so good at living up to those. So uh, doing some mental contrasting and some um, yeah, uh, contract contingencies are a way that I can kind of overcome those psychological hurdles. Um, yeah, I think um, so. Firstly, just on the topic of asking why, um, you can see how you've gone from this very, you know, simple, somewhat superficial goal of I want to lose five kilos to actually I've realised that I really want to make the most of my life and I really value my friendships and I think that if I felt more confident, I could be more present in my relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. That is way deeper mm -hmm. than, oh, you know, I just want to lose a bit of weight and look good. Like, mm -hmm. you can see the difference there. Yeah. Yeah. And something that I would just caution um, when using that technique or just when questioning in this way is you can see how you might be touching on some sensitive topics. So I think it's really important to firstly have the right attitude when you're doing this. You're not trying to force someone to tell you all their deepest, darkest secrets. You're just trying to encourage someone to think about what is important to them. And if someone is, you know, they're kind of not happy to go that deep, I wouldn't press it because you can, this is something that, I think are realizations that come over time as well. You know, someone on day one of signing up is probably not likely to tell you, oh, I actually feel pretty, in, you know, unconfident um, when I'm around my friends. That might not be something that someone's comfortable to say yet. And that's okay, because as we touched on, we can meet someone where they're at. But I think just um, having that awareness there, there's probably there's some deeper layers to it. And then when the time's appropriate, bringing it up again, you know, okay, so we've gotten to the stage, you've made great progress, you know, why is it that this, uh, change continues to be important to you and if you've built good rapport with someone and they trust you and they feel safe talking to you that may be the time that they feel comfortable saying yeah you know what like I, I feel like I've actually noticed some changes in my confidence and I, I can be more um, present in my relationship with other people that's really why I, I want to change you know like getting to it over the course of time so I think asking these questions is important but doing it with the right attitude is also important and for the right reasons um, and then having that kind of relationship there so that someone's comfortable to tell you these things if they don't want to go any further but you know we should just leave that and can you know work with what we've got and help someone from where they currently are um, now you also yep. touched on some other techniques so you mentioned mental contrasting so when we're thinking about this change that we really want to achieve like what would be different how would I feel when I have achieved this goal so when I've lost the weight whatever it is um, how would I feel in that moment and we also want to think about okay what barriers may come up because as you said we're great at predicting like the future and what we want but we're not so good at thinking about all the obstacles that we may face when reaching those goals so you may think okay it would be great for me to lose this weight I feel awesome but actually I know that you know I'm very busy and I don't really have a lot of time to prepare meals. That could be something where a barrier that comes up. And then the next step then is to think about, cool, what can we do to reduce that friction? I think this ties back into the concept of motivation. It's not that you need more motivation to do something because if we conceive of motivation as all of the brain processes that energize behavior, then we're actually constantly motivated. It just might not be to do the thing that you want to do. Otherwise we'd just be like, no. you know, 
know, like a vegetable yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. We're, we're behaving. Yeah. Your motivation to sit down might be way stronger than your motivation to change. And, and more often yeah. than not is. That's 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 what being human is. Yeah, if you're if you're surviving, moving, behaving, you have motivation there. It just might not be the kind of motivation you want or for the, the, the behavior that you want to engage in. So it's not about needing more motivation. It's maybe about getting clearer on um, what it is that you want and then reducing the friction. I think this is the key thing. Yeah. And this is where the implementation intentions and the mental contrasting comes in is that it's not about trying harder it's not always about trying harder it's about actually reducing your barriers or planning on how you can overcome your obstacles so would you like to talk us through um mental contrasting and implementation intentions and what that actually looks like yeah so uh as i get someone uh to do something like you were talking about i'll get them to uh, envision their values first i like values first because it leads up on uh, positive things for the end of the phone call and some action for us to take so i'll get them to walk through what if they did everything completely wrong from here to three months six months 12 months whatever they kind of uh, aligns a little bit closer to their uh, original goal conversation i'll get them to walk through that so if they made every wrong decision along the way and what their life would look like what their work would look like the relationships what themselves would look like how they would feel but not only that I try and get every sense involved. So it's not just what do they see and imagine, but if you uh, like, the, if you fail at home and you look like a slob, do you have like bad BO? Like anything that you can do to invoke all these different senses into it, it paints this picture way stronger. So what does it smell like? How does it smell to have like uh, like shitty BO or like whatever the case may be? Like try and incorporate it as much of that in some like uh, some sensing of touch, some um, some like sounds. Uh, and get them to articulate that now it's a slow process and there's something that takes a little bit of time so you might need some time to have someone work through it because we can't naturally just recall the worst uh, experience that we can imagine quite easily so it's something that takes a little bit of walking through um, and getting people into that point then it's like all right so what were the steps that took to get to that the worst point there what were the things that showed up that uh, made this easy for you so if you're just finding that you're Overconsumed uh, on all this easy convenience foods like okay so convenience foods around you is something that's going to become an issue so we need to make sure that that's an objection that we uh, uh that we walk through and talk about or we find some um contingencies to work around so and we do that with all these uh examples that they come up with so for most people they come up with three to five mostly for a few of the different senses they uh invoke a couple of um examples or objections and we work through those then uh i get them to go all right just like hold that fresh in your mind and while we're thinking about that now try and bring the what does success look like how would you feel in three months 12 months six months whatever the case may be time where you did everything perfectly where the stars aligned the heavens parted and all of a sudden you were exactly as you wanted to be and again invoke all the senses painted like what does it look like what does it sound like what does it smell like um, what time of year is it like put yourself in a position that like really draws upon all these different senses and by doing that we actually just bring this reality both of the realities far more into the light because what we don't do when we set goals and when we have behavior change expectations in we don't necessarily walk ourselves through what the actual um, outcomes might may look like and because we're not just so aware of it it's too distant we don't actually give it too much thought so for us not sticking to uh, some uh, food restriction or not sticking to our, uh, our nutritional plan 
may not necessarily be as important to us as we think without really knowing the consequences of what that looks like. Uh, and so by doing that, we draw in and are able to help people move from uh, some of the interjected regulations, so the guilt and association to the stuff where they kind of identified regulation, which is a little bit more, uh, it's a self-determined one. And that's the one where they're able to say, hey, I, this is who I want to be. Uh, I really like this stuff. This is what I want to be working on. And so it's a part of becoming a part of who I am. And if we can get them into like everything is a part of who they are, that's that identified regulation. That's at like top level one. Um, that's the, the ultimate end goal. And so by helping people become and own a little bit more of where they want to be going, we increase that motivation through time and through uh, continually reaffirming that every four, eight weeks. It's something that needs to be touched on pretty frequently. Um, sorry, not uh, semi-frequently that uh, you keep that fresh in their mind because it does fade very quickly, This like these ideas. Um, and so we touch on that as much as we also touch on seeing, checking in with where their goals are because those goals potentially shift with life, things happen and stuff like that. So we want that. Um, and to quickly circle back on just uh, quickly what you were saying about with the whys, so like it's super important that people uh, don't push it where where it's not needed. And for me, when I have I have five levels of why that I ask for people, I make notes and write down what up to what level they get to. So if they don't want to talk about more than level two, then I have that as my notes for the next time. And when we revisit this, we see if they want to go any deeper and explain some some more. And all I'm doing is just giving them the opportunity to to talk and express and if they don't want to then i just leave it be um and through that then once i get to like that fifth level for me that's when i really find that i've got the like the real meat of why they want to be doing some stuff and we can actually um, help things get, move along at the fastest pace but again you have to meet them at where they're at for that yeah that's exactly it I did that answer any question yeah i just really want someone to listen to this like damn it they told me five <laughs> this person hasn't mm -hmm. answered i need to get to five but um no exactly what you say it's <laughs> yeah, something Tell me. Take note of. Yeah, because even if, if you've got mm -hmm. to two, that's still information for you. And that's still something mm -hmm. to take note of. Okay, this person isn't comfortable quite yet to go any further. Mm -hmm. That's fine, you know. Um, and and certainly yeah. the second level is even stronger than just I want to lose weight. So, like, again, it's that next level with helping them own their motivation of where, where they want to be going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the example you gave with the mental contrasting and trying to, you know, really visualize what your life would be like if you made this change versus what it would be like if you didn't make this change. I think that's such a powerful technique because change isn't easy. You know, if you're striving for a goal or something that you've never achieved before, it's likely that there will be struggles along the way and you're not always going to feel like doing the thing that you want to do. You know, this could be, for example, studying. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you're going to have to put in some long days of study. Probably at some times it'll be boring. You know, you don't necessarily want to do this. You don't enjoy taking exams, but you know that whatever it is that you're studying is very important for the change that you want to make in the future you know that's part of who you want to be is you know oh I'm studying to become a doctor because I really want to help people um you know in those circumstances that's something that's really important to you and when you visualize what it feels like to help someone like that's enough to help you to sit there and take that really shitty boring exam because you know that it's necessary to achieve that goal so that's just like one example of why um it's I think such a powerful exercise because I, I really want to stress this point because I think people hear oh visualization you know like it sounds like some like bullshit technique but actually it can be really really powerful and Super the other 
Yeah. And the other point is that we're not very good at thinking long term. You know, if we're just left to our own devices, we kind of discount potential benefits to doing certain things and the costs to doing things or not doing things. So, you know, I could eat whatever I wanted in the moment because I'm not going to see really those changes take place until much later down the line. Um, yep. You know, I might fail to exercise and then when I'm old and my bones are brittle, like then I'll be like, oh, I should have done that thing like a long time ago, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not just not very good mm-hmm. at that. So really mm-hmm. visualizing, you know, how you want to be, but also the, the downside of what would, what would it feel like if you didn't make this change? You know, I think that's a really crucial thing to just take some time to do. And as you say, revisit that as well. If you feel like, uh, you know, I, I really I'm struggling right now. I don't necessarily want to. I don't know if I want to do this anymore or whatever it is. Um, I've got a lot of deadlines and I feel like shit. Like just really think about what it is that it would be like in the future for you. And I think that yep. is, you know, that's probably the the best answer that you could give someone if they said, oh, I just need more motivation. I'm not feeling motivated. What can I do? Like that's just one example of something that you can run through to really increase that feeling of what it would be like to to make that change um is there anything else that you think that people could could do so you mentioned um some contingent like making those commitments as uh, well. contracts yeah 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 commitment devices and contingency contracts so for me uh for australian listeners you might know who this person is ashley Bynes. uh someone spoke i don't know do you know who ashley Bynes is just like yeah you do okay so um i heard that she was doing this is ages ago um like getting people when she had her keto diet or something like that they were betting on their outcomes and stuff like that and there was this uproar that came about it and i was like why the hell would she be like betting something like that and i was like hmm, how would i feel if i bet money on like losing weight and i actually was like i think it would actually work for me. So it got me curious enough to start looking into it. And I didn't know that it was called uh, commitment devices or contingency contracts. I just started looking at what it was and if it, if I found it in the literature and I started reading about it. There's a lot of evidence to show that it's a, a really beneficial technique when done appropriately. So I was a little bit skeptical because of Ashley Bynes' stuff. And I think that the rest of her stuff is probably rubbish as well. Uh, but the technique when done appropriately is uh, a really successful one. And Gary Mendoza, uh, who is, he did his PhD on this uh, lifestyle exercise and um, activity and nutrition is a lean system that he did. Uh, a contingency contracting was a massive part of that. It was making a plan for what you wanted to do, working through like normal goals, like we've just spoken about. So understanding your values, setting up some goals, contrasting and identifying where you want to be going. And then in that moment, when you really walk through and understand what the success and what the failure looks like making a plan to put some money up and hold yourself um, to uh, account for the the changes that you want to be making and it's one of uh like it's an external regulation measure and it's also a little bit of the interjective where you'd feel guilty if you didn't live up to it so it kind of has those low-hanging um motivations and so we can kind of see them stacking on here to help people move along those paths paths through their behavioral change goals and you can use it as a way to get people to uh, be able to move, get over those initial humps enough so that they get into the uh, identified regulations uh, so that they're starting to really get the sense of self that they are this person that they want to become 
and that they're moving towards. So, which does take time. Does so the evidence shows that behavior change can take anywhere from 18 to 250 or 46 days. So you've got a long span for depending on where these people are and we're doing intended exercises, working through these people. It's way faster than just letting someone naturally work through that process themselves. Um, but you can help that. It's just another way to help that. But the thing is, it has to work. It has to be a substantial amount of money. It has to be a money that makes them go, fuck, <laughs> I don't want to put that much money down but I also really want to have this change. And so unless it's something that makes them really question it, it doesn't have as much value in doing it. Um, so it is something that I, I ask clients if they feel if they're up to it and there's um, some sites or some places that you can uh, go where they put the money in and it's either sent off to a charity if, they don't, if they're not successful or they get it back. Um, and yeah, it's a really cool way. It works amazingly well in small group settings. So getting a whole bunch of people to kind of do it because it's kind of like amplifies that regu- um, that um, uh, extrinsic motivation of the introjected regulation, the stuff where we kind of feel guilty if we don't do it. The, it amplifies that you know, in a group setting sense because we kind of set the norm that that's our expected behavior. So if I went back out because of uh, it's hard to make this behavior change, then I kind of feel like I'm going against what our group has kind of overcome those little, uh, the inner critic voices that happen in our head that can talk ourselves out of situations and behavior change. Um, Yeah, so I think this is a very kind of interesting thing to explore. And I know of Gary's work as well, and I know how successful he's been with some of the Mm -hmm. changes that, or how the success rate of his kind of programs that he's helped people Mm -hmm. with, like it's been really um, remarkable. 86%. Yeah, which is like a huge, huge success rate for, you know, weight loss programs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's why I reached out to him initially it was because I saw that and I was like holy crap I need to talk to this guy yeah yeah and we've actually he's um we've had some chats with him as well when we've been uh, Gabrielle and I have our comprehensive coaching and he's um been really awesome but I think some people may hear about you know all putting money down on a change like is, is there anything that we need to be wary of any kind of contraindications when it comes to that and what kind of you know, if, if someone's saying, right, I want to lose five kilos, I'm going to bet a load of money on this. And if they fall short of that, like, is that, could that potentially be harmful for a person? Yeah, well, so you can imagine setting out and staking that you're going to make some behavior change. And for some reason, whatever the reason may be, even if it's validated or not, and even worse, if it is validated. So say something like happens, you lose your job and you can't afford it or something like that, and you lose this money. It's a massive conflict with who you are. And like, so you've uh, taken advantage of a little bit of a psychological buy-in there, but it also then conflicts with who you are because you would have to go back back on your word. And that has some psychological scarring. There's a there's a very real risk for that to become um, a psychological burden that you have to work through later on out of that because you've identified that this is something that's important to you. You've um, going through those stages and then you're willing, even ready to put money on it and had to back out of it for whatever reason. And that conflicts with everything that you've gone through. So it has a, a real pull at who you are and kind of works against most people's values. It also is, uh, it's the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to motivation. So it's that external regulation and the introjective regulation, the two non-self-determined measures that you can do uh, that kind of get you going, but don't actually, they're not the intrinsic stuff or they're not the very powerful extrinsic motivation. So because of that, you're again, only reliant on the same level of motivation 
as anyone that kind of just goes, I want to kind of lose weight and doesn't explore why they want to do it. And kind of, it can go against and unravel all the hard work and stuff that we have done. So, which is why it's, it's very much a caution thing to do. It's something that I see a lot of uh, value in if you've got someone that's in the right clients, but then you have to set it up in a way that it doesn't make them uh, necessarily feel that psychological trauma of having to back out of it if they need to back out of it. And that there's also uh, only compassion and empathy in situations like that if someone can't uh, uh, move through or live up to their standard or the, the amount that they've set. Um, and some good examples of that would be within a group setting, if someone has to back out of within a group setting like that, if someone else makes a comment on like, oh, that they couldn't sustain it or something like that. If someone else was to belittle them, it would have, again, an amplified effect because of there's now money on the line, which then also uh, conflicts with those values and goals. So it's kind of not just that normal experience that you kind of have, but it just becomes a little bit more amplified because of the psychological trick that like, it's, it's a way to uh, really double down on who you are and, you know, back yourself, uh, which, you know, provides a very strong uh, motivator uh in that in that moment to do it but it doesn't sustain you again as well so it's something that it's like it's it's fleeting it works in a setting where you get stuff that uh, allows it to work and it can be amplified on some of the the settings that that occur so small group training sessions or small group coaching but it also has the potential to blow up in your face if it's not done correctly and adequately and stuff like that so for, like reasons that it could blow up in your face is uh, it goes to a charity instead of goes back to the person that like wanted it or something like that. And so like all of those things would have to be super clear to someone. You'd have to like, make sure that whatever it's in your terms and conditions or however you explain it through is everyone completely understands what's going on because obviously that's their money that they kind of may feel uh, conflicted about. So there's like now that financial layer and stuff on. So it's a very strong uh, tool that you can use and something that I do like using. You just have to be aware of a whole bunch of it's kind of like a nuke there's so many things that can go wrong with it that kind of blow up in your face so i think this is probably something that we've got working in our favor as coaches you know through the nature of service provision someone has paid for your service so that is as you say like that form of right this is my initial commitment to making Mm. a change if i'm forking out all this money i want to like commit to myself now so i can see like how this may apply differently to say an expensive one-on-one coaching service versus a group coaching service where the financial commitment might not be as high like maybe there's potential to explore that kind of further um and then also i think like a similar thing then when we're talking about like making commitments is simply like telling people about the change that you're trying to make then do you think that could be a powerful commitment Mm -hmm. device it's not as, we don't see it to be as strong. So like it is something, but it also, it depends who you tell. Like, so a lot of people shy away from telling people that are important to them. They'll tell acquaintances before they tell close friends and family. And that's because of the, the stigma that goes along with like the previous failed attempts that they may have had uh, or like, you know, the, the unhelpful partner or people that don't realize that they're giving unsolicited advice and, or their opinions on stuff which belittle and undermine people's previous efforts. And so they don't want to have to go re-go through that. So it's a very hard thing for them to put themselves out there in the first place. And if they've done it before and someone shot them down, it's very unlikely that it's going to be something that is going to be for them again, let alone be stronger than uh, a financial motivator. But it is something that I do explore everyone to be as honest and open with whoever they're with. Um, that That's what you want to be doing. And any of the behaviors that we identify that conflict with what they want to be doing I try and incorporate it in a group phone call if we can, where we just talk about what's happening because a lot of the time they don't realize they're being dicks. <laughs> they think that 
just saying something or that has no meaning or no intention or anything like that, but it's, you know, it, it can still hurt. Uh, and so when the situation is explained or explored or someone else brings it up and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be them, uh, the, your, uh, your client and their partner or something like that isn't bringing up a sensitive topic. It's kind of an external party bringing it up. It's a hell of a nicer and, uh, and easier way to kind of work it. Because then, yeah, it creates a hell of a lot of supportive environments around them. But I find tend to find that the people that don't want to tell those people tell acquaintances and mm-hmm. or like work friends and stuff like that. They're the same level of relationship, not as strong. So the, the fact that they've told them has way less uh, buy-in for them. They don't feel necessarily as bad for not sticking to the behaviours that they were saying uh, when like they wouldn't feel that for a partner or a friend or something like that. Yeah, I think the prospect of telling someone who you really care about and someone that you really respect this change that you're trying to make, especially if you don't feel confident about your ability to make the change. And I think that can be very overwhelming. But I also think that if you, you know, we're talking about values, living like the person you want to be, like that's probably something that becomes easier over time as someone's self-efficacy, you know, for the change increases. And if you can get to that point where you're like, yes, this is who I am. This is what's important to me. And this is how I behave the majority of the time. Then that is a really strong position to be in versus someone who may begin, you know, the coaching process or the start of making a change as someone who's like I want to lose fat because I I just want to look better in my clothes and I'm scared about what would happen if I didn't you know you can see like the difference there so I think just one thing we want people to take away from this is understanding that there are different forms of motivation these can change over time it's okay to have these weaker forms of motivation at the start of making a change and perhaps it's pretty likely that those will, will be the most you know prominent forms of motivation but we can shift over time to finding that real like long lasting intrinsic motivation about who you really want to be and how does that relate to how you behave on an ongoing basis because when we're talking about health fitness nutrition these are behaviors that we have to engage in every day and we don't necessarily see immediate rewards and we're often at the you know at the expense of like competing impulses and urges that are trying to take us further away from who we want to be and this is why it's so difficult to make a change um so in light of all of that is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to expand on or do you think we've done a pretty solid job yeah pretty solid job Awesome. Well, then, if anyone wants to learn more about what you have to offer, go and plug yourself right now and tell people where they can. (laughs) Yeah, so I've got a website. You can just type in daltonfrank.com. It's really weird to have a website with your own name on it. I guess it's the thing now. Um, So, yeah, you can, I'll put put a link in wherever it needs to so that people don't have to learn how to type their name. Um, I'm on Instagram, same, just my first name, last name underscore coaching is my coaching account i recently made a private one because i like to film people doing dumb stuff and put it up and it really doesn't relate to fitness so i've heard people <laughs> want to have two separate ones and see if kind of fitness content and then just normal life stuff um so that's where you'll find all my coaching stuff you can get in contact with me on any of my social medias or uh, on the website there uh, reach out to me i'm pretty like handy handy with uh dms and stuff like that when people reach out to me just for no- normal chats uh, I'm almost finished my last assessments for uni. So as soon as that's done, then I'll be even have even more time. But uh, currently I'm finishing up. I've got four assignments for you Friday. So it's a little bit. Fun times. Yeah. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be done. So hit me up all you want. 
Awesome. Yeah, best of luck with that. And yeah, if anyone you know is interested in anything that we spoke about today, then I really do recommend checking out what Dalton has to offer and what he has to say, because he's a very smart guy. So thank you, Dalton, for thanks. joining me today. And I'm sure we'll, we'll chat soon anyway. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I love it.